Riots and the problem with democracy. Seven typologies applied to recent riots in the U.S. Memoirs of Fab left in February 3, 2020 uncategorized edit. Matthew Flinders, 2015, The Problem with Democracy discusses seven typologies or themes regarding public disengagement with political systems. He lists them as voting alone, populism unleashed, market madness, democratic denial, hyperdemocracy, hearing loss, and political illiteracy, pages 183. Drawing upon Flinders' typologies, this paper seeks to apply seven of his theoretical concepts in relation to recent emergence of public rioting in the United States. The purpose is to assess the seven typologies of his theory and discern whether they are applicable in cases researched, and more so, to explore strengths and weakness of his argument within those examples. Is public rioting representative of a crisis with democracy, or does it in some way play a direct or abstract role in authentic Democrat shaping? Writing on the history of democracy, Flinders notes democracy is the process of change and failure, and an interest of the U.S., one which seeks to uphold certain justices and freedoms according to attributions in the preamble to the Constitution of the United States, and yet, throughout U.S. history many riots have erupted continue to do so to this era, Flinders 2015. Civil rights leader Martin Luther King J.N.R. noted in his The Other America speech, a riot is the language of the unheard, Rothman 2015. King made this comment in response to public riots 1960s erupting as a result of race relations in the United States during the Civil Rights Movement, a historical series of events which some have argued has contributed to recognizing and establishing the rights of African American peoples. Certainly such statements and civil duties have interesting implications for democraticians, policymakers and publics alike. For example, if we view rioting within the context of place, time, and the evolution of democracy, can we then argue that it is a place in strengthening the process of democracy, as Thoreau, 1849, might have suggested in his civil disobedience? More so does rioting speak of a crisis of democracy, requiring forced transition, and therefore enhancing democracy, or is it simply undemocratic and illegal behavior? One way to explore the aforementioned is to better understand the nature of the democracy in which riots occur and how they are historically a part of the social fabric of its vast breadth and legacy. Indeed, if riots are the result of a particular type of democracy and relative to a particular notion of society in which despair and outrage reveal functional mechanisms underpinning the legitimacy of democracy, it is essential to observe what aspects of Flinders' typologies may be more relevant in instances of rioting. By comparing similarities in two selected cases in the United States, Ferguson Riots 2014 and Milwaukee Riots 2016, this paper will discuss the value and applicability of Flinders' concepts from the problem with democracy in instances leading to public rioting and discern both strengths and limitations of his typologies. This paper will firstly however explore the nexus between U.S. democracy and rioting, as well themes of race, riots and rights. U.S. Democracy and Riots, Philosophy and Practice A well-regulated militia, being necessary to the security of a free state, the right of the people to keep and bear arms, shall not be infringed. Amendment 2, Constitution of the United States How does a man behave towards this American government today? I answer that he cannot without disgrace be associated with it. 
I cannot for an instant recognize that political organization as my government, which is the slave's government also, Thoreau, 1849, 1. Thoreau, 1849, wrote civil disobedience to address blind pledges of obedience citizenry gifted to governing powers through civility. He argued he did not support the governed to be ruled by an elite group who used the social contract of citizenry to exploit masses made up of common men. Thoreau expressed deep disdain with public's non-action and thus co-partnering enslavement of African Americans. In his publication Civil Disobedience, Thoreau deeply questioned the philosophical assumption that social contract meant weak-willed and blind submission to an overclass rather than integral moral judgment. His is a critical question central to core ideology and practice of civil society in realpolitik, and at the time, reiterated a position against slavery, which would later be implemented in the U.S. Constitution. His poetry is well recognized for era of the Civil War, and sets the scene for Thoreau as an abolitionist, Oliette, 1975, but his fundamental idea grew out of the perfunctionary of citizen compliance with activities of tyrannical state. He asked if democracy means to conform to a social contract, Wheel, 2013, founded in the Constitution for the greater good of the needs of the people, who entrust power within the governing for protection, as well as organization and expediency based upon civil compliance, where then might the line be drawn in the interest of what is right, and further, individual decency in contesting collective compliance as a civil society in government tyranny, Thoreau 1849. The ideas of Thoreau have reverberated throughout American history, both through nonviolent protests, in war and public riots. Civil rights leader Martin Luther King advocated passionately for nonviolence, yet his other America speech noted riot is the language of the unheard, King 1968 speech, and Rothman 2015, riot, although not a desired form of protest, is the social condition of a people seeking social, cultural, economic, and political justice, and having exhausted all other means in times of poverty, inequality, and desperation. King is a nonviolent advocate, during the emergence of personalities like Malcolm X and the Black Power Intelligentsia, who began to tire of peaceful protests, which did not bring necessary social, economic, political and cultural change, came to find legitimacy and common thread in civil disobedience. Like Thoreau, he understood the need for and role of civil rebellion against immoral activities of the state. The U.S. is no stranger to riots. In the months before and following King's The Other America speech 1968, and ultimately his death, riots erupted throughout the nation. In Missouri, the day after King's assassination on April 5, 1968, as flags were lowered as sign of grief and respect, despair was building in the African-American population. By April 9, Kansas, Missouri had erupted into rioting along with 130 other cities, Cruz 2016. This was not the first mass expression of civil disobedience. Nor would it be the last. Hoffman, 1992, writing on a history of riots in New York noted there was rioting in North America before it was North America. The first of which in 1765 was designed to drive political change by the Boston mob in response to the Stamp Act, followed by riots of John Jay's treaty with England 1794, the Rotten Cabbage riots in 1807 erupted at Harvard University, and thereafter in 1828, the election of Andrew Jackson. Infamous anti-Chinese riots occurred in 1870, 
the New York City draft riots occurred in 1883. In 1908, 1917, and 1919 riots prompted by slavery and the lynching of African Americans sparked across 26 cities, Hoffman 1992, Bowman and Santos 2013, and as history has recorded many more would come. In fact riots continue to present Dayu.S as a fundamental part of American culture, and as such form a democracy in practice based on the idea that the words of the Constitution will prevail in providing justice and equality, despite the fact that the Constitution was founded on neither justice nor equality. Further riots grew out of a perceived correlation to the Second Amendment, which advised the necessity for free state as possible only through a well-regulated militia, Second Amendment, U.S. Constitution 1791. Following his success, Donald Trump, president-elect, by way of the Electoral College, and due to preside in the role 2017 as the 45th president of the United States of America, drew immediate dissent. Americans opposed Trump, expressing their dissidence toward his successful presidential campaign, even before the announcement was made and he appeared to be taking the lead from his former contender Hillary Clinton, the first ever female hopeful to run for presidency. By his second day as president-elect, civil disobedience was paramount. Students walked out of schools, protested in the thousands on the streets of the U.S., publics took over social media expressing the population's rejection with the hashtag hashtag NotMyPresident. Articles also reported public demonstrations as riots, prompting riot responses in Oakland, California, ABC News October 11, 16, and Hamilton, Quealy and Demick, 2016. For the purpose of this paper, the crucial question of whether civil disobedience will resolve the Electoral College selection of President-elect Trump, who did not win the majority of votes of the United States citizenry, but rather the majority of the Electoral College vote, remains to be seen. But importantly the public expression of the candidate's rejection, based on significant principles of moral justice, authentic democracy, and the illegitimacy of the American electoral system, are worthy of consideration, and will be discussed elsewhere in this text. The notion of civil and citizen, and its foundation for democracy, are explored by Darcy, 2014, who introduces the notion of militancy as civic virtue. In doing so his purpose is to unpack the personification of civilian, or citizen, in democracy, and to assess militancy in order to redefine the how riots are understood and furthermore responded to. Darcy interprets the work of Martin Luther King as appreciative of the marvelous new militancy, and goes on to define militancy within the context of riot as grievance-motivated, adversarial, disruption, and confrontational. His observations are important, not only because they reinterpret King as more than a caricature of nonviolence theory favoring civil obedience, but also because they help us develop a more complex understanding of why King would be receptive to riots occurring during the civil rights movement, and how the civil rights movement functioned as phenomenon seeking democratic justice. This continues to be a central theme to riots throughout the world. As does for the most part, the nexus of race and narrow conceptions of citizenry, Darcy, 2014. Notably in the 2016 presidential elections and the success of the U.S. president-elect, racial elements to both his rise to power, public responses rejecting and supporting him and further civil disobedience to deter him from presidency have played a significant role, but more importantly, so have the political systemic mechanism engulfed by the notion of democracy and justice in the United States.
For instance, the Electoral College itself was established to balance out the southern states to produce an equitable presidential candidate despite large populations of slaves. At the time of its introduction into the U.S., African Americans counted as three-fifths a person in the vote. However, despite the Civil War eliminating the necessity for such a clause, the Electoral College system still remains. Uckle Reed Amar, October 2016, noted, In a direct election system, the South would have lost every time because a huge proportion of its population, slaves, could not vote. The Electoral College enabled each slave state to count its slaves, albeit at a discount, under the Constitution's three-fifths clause in the Electoral College apportionment. The big winner early on was Virginia, a large state with lots of slaves. Indeed, eight of the first nine presidential elections were won by Virginians. Pennsylvania in 1800 had more free persons, but Virginia got more electoral votes that year. Thomas Jefferson would have lost the race against John Adams in 1800, but for the fact that the southern states that backed Jefferson, a southerner, got a dozen extra electoral votes because of their enslaved population. The slavery concession continues today in practice and does so as written into the foundational document of the country. Moreover, the social, cultural, political, and economic system is stratified to further criminalize those who are perceived as the other or problematic through institutionalization of racialized ideas of supremacy. Sociologist Miriam H. Jalil argued, although making absolute comparisons with slavery is not appropriate, recognizing the direct link between slavery and the current social, economic, and political system are quintessential to explaining ongoing state oppression, Jalil 2014, and public responses to it. Analysis of the Los Angeles riots 1992 has revealed deep segregation between the state and African-American communities and individuals, an ongoing infestation which posits African-Americans as problematic to the state and who, when are recipients of state violence without just cause in their collective response. This we will discuss under the following heading of race, rights and riots, but the point is central to unpacking notions of civil, democracy, and rioting indeed from Thoreau to Martin Luther King to the election of Donald Trump, riots have been an integral part of democracy in the United States, both historically and to the present day. Race, along with anti-establishment sentiment and religion all of which can be interlinked with race or otherness define the United States from inception. It is not unrealistic to note that historically rioting as a form of evolving democracy and democratic mechanisms through civil disobedience, along with race, has been at the root of the development of American democracy. Race, rights and riots, evolving democracy. All persons born or naturalized in the United States and subject to the jurisdiction thereof are citizens of the United States and of the state wherein they reside. No state shall make or enforce any law which shall abridge the privileges or immunities of citizens of the United States, nor shall any state deprive any person of life, liberty, or property without due process of law, nor deny to any person within its jurisdiction the equal protection of the laws. Section 1. Constitution of United States of America, 1868. Neither slavery nor involuntary servitude except as a punishment for crime whereof the party shall have been duly convicted, shall exist within the United States or any place subject to their jurisdiction. Constitution of United States of America, 1865. 
In the 1960s between 1964 and 1968 a series of race riots occurred across 257 cities in the United States, in a total number of 329, leaving over 52,000 people arrested and a further 220 killed including a number of police. More than 8,000 people were arrested on riot-related offenses, Schneider, 2014-1. These colossal events grew out of a police shooting of a minor African-American boy, aged 15 years. The over-response of police numbers and excessive violence towards members of the public created one of the largest urban uprisings in the U.S. to date. Underlying issues of poverty and unemployment Police and state violence in the form of intimidation harassment through constant surveillance and stop and frisk police checks perform an ongoing war of attrition against African-American communities. Through creating boundaries, socially and geographically, economically, and culturally, policing ethnicity acts similar to the process of a militarized occupation amongst the poor and systemically excluded. Those of black and otherness in terms of racialized origin, become public enemies without sincere recollection and recognition of historical and present injustices. The racialized character of the police force and political system through its predominantly white representatives and interest reiterate racial superiority of past legislation and remains the number one cause of riots in African-American communities, Schneider, 2014, Abu Lughad, 2007. United Nations report on the elimination of all forms of racial discrimination released in 2014 noted that it remained concerned at the practice of racial profiling of racial or ethnic minorities by law enforcement officials, UN 2016, and further commented on the social and economic disparities of African-American people, who for decades have been disproportionately overrepresented in the incarceration system and relentlessly profiled by law enforcement agencies. African-American social scientist Michael Eric Dyson added to the racial dialectic, Mox News 2016, following a recorded police shooting of a black male in Charlotte by arguing police are the manifestation of terror for African-American communities. His comments were reiterated by Amnesty International reported militarization from police in the forms of attrition and surveillance on African-American communities has drawn criticism for its ineffectiveness and abuse of U.S. citizen rights. Amnesty International, 2014, wrote, The pervasive discrimination faced by members of racial or ethnic minorities in the USA at the hands of law enforcement officials has been extensively documented by many organizations, including Amnesty International. Across the USA, racial minorities have been found to be disproportionately the victims of police ill-treatment, unjustified stops and searches, physical abuse, and unjustified shootings. Amnesty International Report to the Committee for the Elimination of All Forms of Racial Discrimination, 2014. Inference between race and riot often plummets beyond practical solutions due to an artificial notion of democracy, one which does not afford certain citizens the same rights as it does others. Despite the history of rioting in America and its countenance in democracy, change is not occurring in the racialized space of systemic privilege and African-American communities. This is agitating underlying historic power relations of the legally, politically, and economically disenfranchised. Research further showed the militarization of weaponry of police as riot control agency are used against U.S. citizens to carry out torture, ill-treatment, or as punishment to facilitate the suppression of freedom of expressions, 
assembly or association, arbitrarily, indiscriminately, and as excessive use of force in conjunction with firearms, having damaging health effects, causing serious injury both by their usage and tactic of implementation, Crowley, 2016-69, in areas over-policed. Writing extensively Itagaki, 2016, introduces concepts of civility to rioting in the wake of the 1992 Rodney King riots. Her concepts draw on complex notions of civility to explain its role in civil society, arguing that presumptions of racial homogeneity were disrupted by the riots and reinvigorated an idea of the enemy within. Reaffirming narratives that had been established during the Cold War. The author further notes that precepts of Americanness situated as racialized notions in public domains predicated solicitous fabrications of internal fears of the other, notably those who did not behave according to normative civilly. Whiteness in the dialectic of normative civilly remains invisible, while differing cultural and racial behaviors present a threat. Thus if civilly is the normative, and thusly situated in whiteness, which is framed as Americanness and politeness, its antithesis is civil disobedience, reverberating uncivil behavior prescribed to an other which then becomes the enemy. This explains the rationalism of militarized tactical responses in the case of Ferguson and Milwaukee. While the civil rights movement can be viewed with nostalgia, as a progressive criteria addressing unjust laws in favor of democracy and termed as a righteous social response to the illegitimacy of injustice, the continuity of unjust racialized laws, narratives, and expectations of civil obedience remain and a presently thin veil on the surface of homogeneity, once scratched reveal what lay beneath, Itagaki, 2016 and Dyson, 2014. Civil disobedience is not perceived as a caricature of democratic function, or essentialist civic activity in the face of continued state violence, yet historically it has played an important role in instigating political change. Flinders' problem with democracy in light of Ferguson and Milwaukee riots. Having reviewed some of the aspects of the nexus between race, rights and democracy, and further riots and democracy in the United States, this paper will now seek to apply Flinders' notions of the problems with democracy to underlying causes of riots which occurred in Ferguson in 2014 and Milwaukee 2016 according to his seven typologies. Flinders argues that publics, academics, politicians, and the like are suffering with a de jure of democracy. He states that systems and one might argue the travesty of thesis integrating into antithesis as Hegelian notions have drawn upon imposes resolute rather than expanding new consciousness or political awareness. While Flinders' goal is not to provide all the answers, he simplifies his position by asserting that the imagination of democracy is seemingly stagnated by dominant beliefs by a detached political sphere. Flinders, 2015, 183, this he refers to as the democratic gap, and goes on to summarize the key points and ideas of seven typologies of democracy, which this paper will make reference to and draw upon and discuss under subheadings to explore instances of rioting Milwaukee and Ferguson. In both cases of Ferguson 2014 and Milwaukee 2016, police shot African-American males, which resulted in riots. In neither case were police shooters incarcerated, and both communities have high African-American populations living in low socioeconomic conditions who are disproportionately policed and imprisoned. In both cases, high numbers of police patrolled communities, the council and political representatives were predominantly white and voter registration had been manipulated 
either through voter laws or misinformation. More broadly, African-American engagement in political systems have been treated with hostility. In Maine coming up to the 2012 elections, African-American students were the subject of an investigation by the Republican Party on voter fraud accusations, despite a lack of evidence. Regardless of findings of no voter fraud, a letter was then sent to 191 students misleading them to believe if they did not have a vehicle registered in the state of Maine and a driver's license they would be breaking the law. No such connection existed. Wong, 2012, writes further that laws to disenfranchise voters in the late 19th century had damaging effects on African-American voting capacity, listed them as poll taxes, literacy tests, and measures of intimidation in both the North and South, and more recently felony conviction, have played a significant role in the exclusion of African-Americans from the political system. Wong, 2012. A 2013 study on race, Voting rights and violations across 29 states reported five significant key findings. Racial discrimination remains a significant impediment to voting, recording 148 instances of voting violations between 2000 to 2013. Racial discrimination is widespread across every region of the country. Local elections have the highest instances of racial discrimination, and voting discrimination occurs in many ways, and has emerging ways of targeting and excluding minority. Groups, The Persistent Challenge of Voting Discrimination, 2013. Problem 1. Voting alone, traditional institutions remain the same despite changes in the people whose lives are defined by these systems and their understanding of political institutions. A rise in skepticism regarding governments, thus creating a shift in public faith. This, Flinders argues, is the result of growing literature on the Eastern European bloc a greater focus on individual interests and the rise of protest democracy, further drawing on Bauman's liquid modernity. To describe the decomposing nature of public's faith in political institutions and representatives, he argues, using the example of aging populations' engagement in politics, three points noting that younger populations do not engage until later in life leaving institutions to prioritize the needs of older constituents above those of younger constituents. Further, he notes that poorer communities are less likely to be perceived as valuable to the vote, and this disenfranchisement is the result of those communities feeling less concerned about the broader society's interests. This he terms building upon Stoker and Evans, 2014, noting that civic political culture has become anti-political or post-political. Problem 1. Ferguson, 2014, and Milwaukee, 2016, the African-American Civil Liberties Union sued the school under the Voting Rights Act. Ferguson has a two-thirds African-American population, and similarly within its school, yet due to tactical measures referred to as voting at large through which white Americans vote from across the district has disproportionately excluded African-American elections of officials. Rather than a lack of concern from African-American communities, there has been significant efforts to be included in the voting systems, including legal actions based upon and for the implementation of the Voting Rights Amendment Act 1945. Ferguson has a history of segregation and white privilege which continues and is made evident by the continuity of white officials within council, schools, and others areas of public office. In Milwaukee Frank v. Walker case, 2014, proved that voter ID laws violated the 14th Amendment, TPCVD 2014, pages 22, 
New York Times, 2015. Whether or not the African-American populations in both Ferguson and Milwaukee are valuable is open to further speculation. However, arguably, if they were not valuable, there would not be systemic and significant continuity of attempts to exclude their voting rights. In the case of institutions not changing, while mechanisms such as the Voting Rights Act 1945 has been implemented, people have not respected them or valued them, which has resulted in legal cases against state institutions and officials. Problem 2. Populism unleashed. There are no quick fixes Flinders notes that there exists a binary in the mind of the public between two groups, one being an ideal representation, who do not have to contend with frustrating checks and balances, as well as another who are the correct elite. In populism he draws upon Taggart's, 2000, theory of a heartland group, who define the popular-centric endorsement of the people while those who do not fit within this notion are stereotyped, demonized, and less favored or rejected when compromise is presented. Flinders argues his essential position is that politicians are committed to collective decision-making, and these require compromise, and further publics due to the rise of distrust of the government do not understand how government institutions are required to function. This simplistic notion of hard political responses on very complex problems, such as migration policy and economics, he argues forces politicians into unrealistic leadership identity by publics who pursue populist themes in their response to these complex issues, although a common answer to political solutions over the last few decades have revolved around the market. Problem 2. Ferguson 2014 and Milwaukee 2016, Joe William Trotter, 2007, writing on his experiences living and working in Milwaukee throughout the black liberation struggles of the 1960s and 1970s noted an ideological conflict between class and race. His paper further explores the industrialization process, the development of ghettos for poor black, white and other working class ethnic groups, and various debated and intense conflicts which took place. Trotter notes his understanding of industrialization, class, politics, Race and spatial elements of social and political matters have been enhanced by a corroborative approach to such issues, Trotter 2007. What Trotter is describing is a complex understanding of the world around him and the various problems faced by his community intersectionally across different ethnic groups and class matters. Flinders' generalization of publics eliminates the expertise available within community groups to address their problems. While perceptions of conservative politics and liberal politics may vary in each community, it is important to accept that also within that community are expertise, which are at times are funded to highlight issues, yet recommendations are rarely followed through by politicians. In the case of Ferguson, Michael Brown, an 18-year-old African-American, was shot by police officer Daryl Wilson. The outcome of the case was not the indictment of the officer, however a report by the Department of Justice noted that police were motivated by building revenue rather than crime and further that these were done based on racial biases, which included the court behaving in racist and illegal ways towards African-American communities, issuing arrests on the basis of fines rather than public safety, and further using excessive force, BBC 2015. Flinders is correct that market is central to activities in the instance of Ferguson and Milwaukee, his summation of populism unleashed is limited in that mechanism and complex understandings have been developed to address particular problems in the communities, 
such as skill building incorporating intersectionalism and justice frameworks which stipulate appropriate checks and balances, however these have been discarded in favor of revenue building and in continuity of practices of racial oppression. Furthermore, distrust in government is not due to research from the Eastern Europe, but rather the lived experience of population members. Problem 3. Market madness, Amazonian politics, and the loss of equilibrium. The rise of market above the interests of social institutions, such as public health, schools, and prisons, Flinders argues, is due to the homogenizing nature of international corporations driving civic terminology and infrastructure in so far as it is representative of the interests of democracy compared with that of the market. He draws on two notions, firstly macro-historical themes accorded to Streak, 2013, who argued that since the 1960s the growth international economics has undermined democracy or civil society, creating vast wealth for an elite minority who impose, according to their interests, greater austerity measures on civil society. Secondly, he notes the micro aspects of individuals who increasingly invest in the marketization of their interests as individuals and collectives, expecting a commodity-based response, an immediate package of their rights and interests in the same way an online shop might send them a parcel of goods, to which he responds that a democracy is not intended to satisfy a world of individual wants, Flinders 2015, 188, and being treated as a customer does not equate to being a citizen. Problem 3. Ferguson and Milwaukee. An article post-Milwaukee riots noted that Milwaukee has the highest disparity gaps between black and white students in the country and further the highest incarceration rates in the country as well, with 62% of all black men by the age of 34 years having been incarcerated in their lives. Massey 2016, 2. These disparities indicate wealth capacity within the Milwaukee community however opportunities to increase wealth being monopolized by a particular racial group who are privileged within the community. According to Demographic Report by Metro Milwaukee Association of Commerce, MMAC, 2014, on the Greater Milwaukee Metro Area, between 2012 and 2013 unemployment rates dropped overall at 0.2%, however whether this is due to a rise in employment opportunities or other factors remains unclear. Increase employment opportunities have also been reported according to an economic trend survey, Economic Division of Milwaukee Metro Area 2014. These figures suggest that economic opportunity is available in Milwaukee, however the disparities between the white population and African-American population further reflect deeply entrenched issues of segregation and the breakdown of industrial employment for black communities as a result of de-industrialization. Milwaukee has the second highest rate of black poverty in the U.S. Downs 2015. Ferguson showed 25% of the population live under the poverty line, with an increase in African-American population and a decrease in the white population, Department of Justice report on Ferguson Police Department, 2015. The relationship between revenue building has been noted elsewhere in this paper. Punitive measure are been used as a revenue building tactic while decreasing the quality of life in Ferguson and incarcerating its potential workforce. More broadly, Alexander and West, 2016, make a clear case on the criminal commoditization and politicization of African-American men through policy design since slavery. In an interview, Angelus Davies further notes that the economic interests of monopolies of power 
and economics have driven privatization of public prisons, creating an incentive for the over-policing and criminalization of African-American people. Incarcerated inmates become cheap labor for multinational companies. Gordon 1999, 146-149. Flinders' assessment on market madness is applicable in both Milwaukee and Ferguson, however a complex history gives shape to policy mechanisms and racialized commoditization of African-American communities. Any resolutions suggested have been fought for since slavery, rather than expected immediate packaging in a consumer response. Problem 4. Democratic denial, the coping mechanism drawing on Schumpeter's, 1942, creative destruction Flinders discusses the concept of industrial mutation to link market and democratic denial, essentially noting that industry is constantly evolving and destroying itself to meet internal demands. The howling out of democracy and its institutions occur, while the world shifts quickly, often according to market and related expansion, and systems continue to move very slowly, thus institutions are not equipped to deal with shifting demands. Flinders notes the correlation between leadership and market add to a de democratization. In that as the role of leadership becomes defined by market, democracy narrows by virtue of the narrowing interests of the people. Yet in contrast he draws upon Keane, who while positing the death of democracy describes the emergence of a hyper-democracy in the complex balance of people and systems seeking process of overstimulated problems slash interests in a democracy. This Flinders finds is also as problematic as any other concern. Problem 4. Ferguson and Milwaukee, similarly to previous evidence proposed in Problem 3. Milwaukee and Ferguson have both been victims of state violence who seek to racialize them as commodity for the interests of corporations. The role of democratic denial as a coping mechanism for overburdened systems is the result of an increasing marketization, which disenfranchises particular groups for people for political and economic interests. The idea of a hyper-democracy is more so, in the case the result of a continuity of policy agendas which further disempower African-American populations as form of state violence until civil disobedience in the form of rioting becomes their only means of expressing the weight of their crisis, see literature referenced in Problem 3. Again Flinders' assessment is applicable however not solely defining of the circumstances in Ferguson and Milwaukee. Problem 5. Hyperdemocracy, the deafening growth of voice Flinders argues there is too much democracy to contend with as publics place more pressure on institutions leading to political disaffection. He uses Welch's notion of hyperdemocracy, meaning not excess or more but rather intensification. Of democracy, Welch 2013, 2, and Flinders 2015, 191, positing that liberal interest of publics, institutions, and so forth overburden the system with expectations of accountability causing disproportionateness in two areas which he defines as the relationship between the democratic voice and the democratic listening, leading to self-defeating mechanisms for control of representatives. Pressures he notes are the result of a minority, but conflict with the fundamental identity of democracy. There is rather a need to develop decision-making within the publics before imposing a decision by a representative. He concludes by drawing on Hecklow, 1999, who argues there is a greater need to listen rather than voice for better functioning democracy. Problem 5. Ferguson and Milwaukee, the disproportionate lobbying power of particular organizations, 
For example, the police union, who in the case of protests from the African-American community to educate and bring public attention to police violence and the death of their community members, has been to further add to pressures upon the state by perpetuating a Blue Lives Matters protest to counter the Black Lives Matters protests is an example of hyper-democracy applicable to both Ferguson and Milwaukee. Blue Lives Matter, according to its website, was established as a non-for-profit community organization designed to raise awareness and support for police officers and their families, specifically those injured or killed in the line of duty. Blue Lives Matter's online website 2016 and Lindsay 2016. Problem 6. Heating loss, listening to democracy further builds on the need to listen rather than voice for a more functional and accurate democracy. Flinders noted the benefits of listening means being or aware of cross-sections of thoughts on civic issues, however the problem is often harding opposing views requires on to change their mind, an unpopular position. Primarily because according to Fitzgerald, 2015, political social culture is immature and compromise or revising one's position is perceived as weakness. Flinders further adds that democracy requires reflective silence and hyperdemocracy makes such a reflection near impossible. If democratic voice is increased, so too must democratic listening. Problem 6. Ferguson and Milwaukee. Chandler notes in his race, civil society, peace-building discourses, and the understanding of difference, the white man's burden by Kipling depicts races other than Western civilizations as being not worthy or capable of self-government. This Chandler argues the delegitimization of the capacity of people of other racial groups served as a commodity for creating inferior subjects who required intervention and ongoing paternalism. Chandler 2010, 372. This is also true of Ferguson and Milwaukee communities who endure the responsibilities of their communities without the power to create significant change despite mounting legal battles, providing input and attending community meetings and functions to develop mechanisms for self-determination within their community a form of self-autonomy, if you will, to address mounting social pressures and minimalize. As communities they have organized and engaged, Jebelhoff 2014, despite mounting disparities. Flinders, while making the important point of exploring the need for democratic listening, ignores the efforts of communities' member and leaders who have been doing just that. Problem 7. Political literacy, aspiration, understanding, and confidence Flinders poses the problem that publics exhibit very low levels of understanding about how political systems function. The need for a greater understanding of big P politics cause apathy and disengagement. Flinders notes the most powerful in society possess the skills and knowledge to influence the system, while the disadvantaged have almost no access to political education, pages 198. These include lobbying initiatives run big corporate interest. Although it is noted some institutional education systems are available, the scope of their interests deal with less broader notions of systemic engagement at the expense of a society who function within political systems. These systems tend to benefit the already politically educated and involved. There is a need for basic elementary institutional education on civic processes, which include greater political listening skills as a part of the political literacy process, thus creating a habitual capacity for younger generational involvement to counter. Hyperdemocracy, market madness, among other pre-listed problems with democracy. Flinders further builds on Sartori's 
1987, in arguing the need for slower thinking processes for more engaged and quality democratic population. Further, he adds that society needs to create democratic space for slower processing of thoughts. Problem 7. Ferguson and Milwaukee, Flinders in positing political literacy is a problem more broadly throughout democracies who are out of touch with its constituents, both politically and systemically, is applicable in his assessment to Ferguson and Milwaukee. However, this has served a broader political and economic purposes based on racialized agendas. The apathy and disenfranchisement of African-American communities, such as Milwaukee and Ferguson, have been deliberately made so, West and Alexander 2016, Gordon 1999, Chandler 2010, Igtaki 2016, by targeted policy and its agendas. While institutional education may improve political literacy, it does little to confront deeply entrenched systemic privilege which not only is the result of political illiteracy, but is further designed to sustain it. References slash bibliography. Journals slash books. Flinders, M. 2015. The Problem with Democracy.